discipleship, how to be disciples of Christ. And the first message that he taught on discipleship, it says in verse 1 that he called his disciples around him. He saw the multitudes, but he called his disciples to him because he wanted to teach them about the importance of being disciples of Christ. And he opened his mouth, he shouted, and he taught them, saying in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And verse 9 tonight, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So as you know, if you weren't here, we've already studied these verses uh, for uh, weeks now. And now we find ourselves on verse 9. So we've been studying this well over two months. And in verse 9, it talks about being a peacemaker. I love these other translations. The Living Bible says, Blessed are those who work. You just may want to take a little note on that. Work for peace. And what you're going to see tonight, that that is one of the jobs and commissions that God gave us. Uh, A peacemaker is one who has to work for peace. Many times we just want it just to easily come by, or we're just going to pray and peace is going to show up. Or, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just claim favor with, with my sister in Jesus. I claim favor with my brother in Jesus' name, and I just say for the peace. But sometimes it's going to take work to win somebody over and bring peace and break the, break the bondage or the gap that's in between. Now it goes on to say, I love the message translation, where it says uh, in verse 9, you're... You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. You're blessed when you show how you can cooperate instead of compete. Compete and fight. And one of the things I want to bring out on this message tonight, because it says blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are not so well known as peace breakers. At the fall, the devil came as a peace breaker. He broke the peace between God and man. And what we see many times is that peace breakers are known more in the church and in the work, working world than peacemakers. Because peacemakers are few. Because you don't like me, I don't like you. You can't stand me, I can't stand you. You don't think I'm doing good? Well, you're not doing good either. It's amazing. Peacemakers have to die. It's hard to be a peacemaker. Because a peacemaker, I've got to identify my heart. I've got to search my heart. I've got to search why am I responding like I'm responding. What, what is it in me? A peacemaker is one who's constantly saying, am I living by the fruit of the Spirit? Am I watching my attitude? But a peacebreaker, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. A peacebreaker, I don't have to listen to you. A peacebreaker, I don't have to be your friend. A peace breaker, I don't have to please you. A peace breaker, hey, it's my life. I live my life. You live your life. You stay at your house. I stay at my house. You sit on your side of the building. I'll sit on my side of the building. And this is something that peace breakers are more known than peacemakers. I could ask, anybody know any peace breakers? Ooh. You know, who? and then you come to church and go, well, who's the peacemakers here? I don't know who the peacemakers are, but let me tell you who to stay away from. Peacebreakers. 
are more known than peacemakers. Because I don't have to hold nothing back and I don't have to use self-control, hold myself back. But he says, you're going to show your, your child or a mature son, not a child, a son. You're mature, you're developed, you're practicing self-control when you learn to be a peacemaker instead of a peacebreaker. Now, this is what Jesus is talking about, and we're going to go into all the scriptures, that this is what he's trying to show us, that he reconciled us through the blood of his son, making peace with the cross. On the scriptures I'm going to use Sunday nights, in the book of Isaiah, uh, it, it talks about prophetically that Jesus came, and like with a woman with a broom, he just swept the powers of darkness and cleared the clean state. Well, that's how we are in the natural realm. He has reconciled us through the blood of his son. But we have to be careful that we, we want to be peacemakers and that, listen, uh, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know I love you, that we're, we're with you. Uh, make sure that you're not misunderstanding something. Make sure that, you know, your imagination isn't going wild with you. And, and it says, blessed are the peacemakers. And so that's why it's so important. If you know somebody, well, you know, they, they, uh, they, they left because of this. Or, you know, they're mad at so-and-so because of this. Well, is there any way that y'all, y'all could reconcile? And some people say, no, I'm, I don't want to reconcile. But peacemakers say, yeah, I want to reconcile. How can we fix this? How can we fix that? And in the Greek, it says, blessed are those who make peace with others, having first received the peace of God in heart. Blessed are those who make peace with others. And then it goes on to say in the Greek, one who ends disagreements. Blessed is the one who ends disagreements. All the effort possible, who puts up all the effort possible to preserve peace. And it goes on to say, to repair or fix that which has been broken. That's about peacemaking. Now, how many of you know, a lot of reasons why peacemakers aren't as known as peacebreakers is because peacemakers usually are your humble people. They're not seen all the time. They work behind the scenes. You know, I, I love you. We, we love you. We, we care for you. Uh, to, to be a peacemaker, you've got to be humble because you've got to die to your own feelings and your, your own hurts and just say, I want to see that God is glorified in this situation. It's to keep strife out of our mentality. It's to promote peace. Because if I don't have peace with God myself, I'm not going to have peace with man. And that's where we get to one of the great issues there. And this is what is so important. And we'll get into some other scriptures about this. How can I, if I'm a peace breaker, usually it's because I feel like there's a, a break between me and God. How can, how can I, I fix my relationship with my brother or my sister if I don't feel like my relationship's really right with God? Why do I really want to fix my relationship with my brother and my sister if I'm not really interested in fixing my relationship with God because I know that there's something. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, if I'm going to be a fixer instead of a breaker, then that means I'm going to have to spend a lot of time examining my own heart. Lord, am I right in what I'm doing? Am I right in what I'm thinking? Am I right or am I wrong in what I'm judging? And so there's a lot of self, uh, self-examination, uh, a lot of judging ourselves to see what areas that I may be wrong in. And so many times it's hard. Blessed are the peacemakers. And that sounds real good, and we read over these scriptures real fast. But how I many you know it is a price to be a peacemaker? And a big price to be a peacemaker is that I've got to have peace with myself. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel guilty. I feel at peace because I have peace with God. Because I know my relationship right with God. Therefore, I can be a sower of peace. 
Philippians 4.7, you could just write this down. Philippians 4.7 says, It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And, and once again, that's a revelation of the cross. If God could be so merciful with me, if He says that I can have peace no matter what my past has been, then I want to get to that place of mercy where I can have peace with my brothers and my sisters and my fellow man because He loved and forgave me. How much more should I forgive and love my fellow man? Amen. The world has been promised a peacemaker, and that was Christ Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6, and I'll just read it to you. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now we know this was fulfilled, and you can look with me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. You know, different things you go through and different things that happen. I called my pastor uh, last year, and well, I was called my, all my pastors, but I was speaking especially to Brother Francis. And he said, well, you, you know, Russ, he says, some people just like a good fight. He says, even in church, some people just like a good fight. Just like the Hatfield and McCoys, some people just looking for a fight. They want to fight about something. You know, you know, instead of being a peacemaker saying, well, you know what, maybe next Sunday it'll be warmer in the church. They go around saying, boy, they just want to hang meat in this church. This church is so cold, they just don't have any consideration for any of us young folks or old folks or whatever it may be. And, oh, you know, it went too long. Or, you know, the music was too loud. That's not a peacemaker. That's a peace breaker. Because it doesn't edify those who hear it. It doesn't encourage. It doesn't lift up. Amen, church. So, so, so you know, how, how many times, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and people, you know, have trouble with these people and have trouble with that people. And, and, and you wonder, well, you know, who's your best friend? Well, I don't, I don't, I used to have one. I don't, used to, I used to have a bunch, but I don't have any anymore. You know, well, uh, but they were the ones who were in the wrong. You know, I've been divorced 20 times, but, you know, they're the ones who've been in the wrong. You know, so, so you know, you wonder, you know, what, what's, what's going on? Some people, some people just like a good fight. Some people just want to wear guns to church. <laughs> some people just want to raise their voices and holler and shout. And somebody just wants to, somebody just wants to stir something up. Somebody, my pastor said, Russ, don't feel bad. Some people just looking for a fight. You know what? It's true. I mean, no, even in marriage sometimes, somebody's just looking for a fight. Family reunions. Oh, my word. Funerals. Some people just looking for a fight. But thank God Jesus came to confirm. In, in Luke 10, 2, verse 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Hallelujah, Savior. To save us which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. 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 This old raunchy world. This world taken over by this and this world going through that and this and that. But the angels came and said, We got good news. 
peace on earth. What we're going to do tomorrow is according to Scripture. I would that you would have, first of all, pray for those in leaders. Those in leadership. So that you would have peace inwardly and there would be a manifestation of peace outwardly. Pray for those in leadership. That's what it says in First Timothy there. Pray for those in leadership. Pray for our president. Pray for our governors. I said it Sunday. If you're not praying for them, you have no right to criticize them. If you're not travailing over them, you don't have any right to opinionate over them. It says, first of all, if you want to have peace, pray for peace in this world. Pray for those in leadership. And let me go forward. You know what? It even means to pray for that wick-whack president dictator in Iran. Lord, we pray for peace in Iran. We ask You, Lord, that that man either change or bring him down, but we pray for a change in the government of Iran where there's darkness besides the race, because of, besides whatever religion or beliefs may be there. We pray for peace in Iran. We pray for peace in Iraq. We pray for peace in Egypt. We pray for peace in Israel. He says, if you pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel, I'll bless you. But it's not just them. We've got to pray for these nations that are under control. For, pray for kings and dictators. Not only our government, but pray for the governments around the world. That God would do a move in those areas so that they would come to a place where they would be able to receive the gospel. The good news, peace on earth. Because you know, all the world is crying out peace. Al Gore, everybody's crying out peace. Turn your lights out. Don't, you know, watch the icicles. No, the ice. Ice things out in the ocean, icebergs. You know, uh, everything's melting. Everything's going to be destroyed. Everything's, you know, going this way, going that way. You know, uh, and, and everywhere you look, you look, see on TV, and, and we support hung, uh, hungry little children. In fact, this month, we've just added on three more missionaries and, and, and ministry groups by faith. We said, you know, the times, times, everybody talking about times are rough. Well, we don't belong to the times. So I told the secretary, I said, this month, add on this this ministry, this ministry, this ministry. We added on three ministries. And one of them is feed, one of them is another ministry that's feeding the poor and helping the needy. And, and another one's helping uh, stop abortion. And another one is uh, uh, supporting and helping feed people in Israel. And we're going to get another ministry going on in Israel. Because it, they say, well, we can't afford it. Hey, we can never say we can't afford it. But we're just not going to say. You see, we're, we're up to... 18, 19 ministries, something like that. We're not just going to say peace unto you. We're going to put action to our words. But, you know, they, you know we'll, we'll bring peace in this world by ending hunger. We'll, we'll, we'll bring peace to this world by ending war. We'll bring peace to this world by taking this dictator out and getting rid of nuclear weapons. Listen, the only thing that has been announced and that can bring peace to this world is the Lord Jesus Christ. Unto us is born a Savior. Peace to this world. So listen, we can put millions of dollars into getting shoes and feeding and everything else, but, and that's going to help. Thank God for the lives it does help. But it will never solve the problem. You want world peace? Convert and repent of your sins. That's the message of real peace. Not green peace. Peace by the blood, red blood of Jesus Christ. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, so do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That means you can have peace even in what seems to be the worst of circumstances. How many of you know that the Lord knows the human heart? 
And the human heart can never be fully satisfied without Him. That's why He came to satisfy our every need. St. Augustine wrote, Thou hast made us for Thyself, and our souls are restless until they find their rest in Thee. I mean, we hear so many struggles a world, world round, but only Jesus can satisfy. General MacArthur told the world, Men, since the beginning of time, have sought peace. But military alliances, balance of power, leagues of nations, all have turned and failed, leaving only the path to be by the way of war, which shall not have a chance. If we do not now devise some greater and more greater system, Armageddon will soon be at our door. The problem is basically the need for theological that involves spiritual recruits and improvement of human character. It must be of the spirit and not of the flesh. It must be of the spirit if we are to save the flesh. So how many of you know he even saw this great general many times as he traveled the world saw that only peace can exist through Jesus Christ. Amen. How can I be a peacemaker? It's to understand the nature of peace. Shalom. Nothing missing, broken. Nothing lacking. That uh, To have the peace. To face the problems at the appropriate time. Peace that can conquer and deal with the issues that one is facing in their life. Jeremiah 6.14 says that there are people who cry out, Peace, peace. When there is no peace. And that's because they really don't have Jesus enthroned in their heart as the Prince of Peace. Uh, the Bible says, it teaches, Jesus teaches over and over. If you have a problem with your brother, before you give your offering, leave your offering. Say, here, hold my dove, hold my lamb. i got to go get it right with my brother and my sister before I come back and accept God, believe that God's going to accept my offering. How, how can you be a peace? maker and a, a reconciler if you've got problems with your brother. He says, don't even try to offer a burnt offering. I don't receive offerings unless first you've been a peacemaker and you've gone and you've fixed it with your brother and your sister. In Hebrews twelve fourteen, you can write that down. It says, pursue peace with all men. It's action. First Peter three eleven, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Lord, how can I work peace in this area? How can I get peace in my heart and fix it? 1 Corinthians 4, 12 through 13, I'll read this to you because this is the Phillips translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 12 through 13. Listen to this. Listen how this says this. Men curse us, but we return a blessing. They make our lives miserable, but we take it patiently. They ruin our reputations, but we go on trying to win them for God. Well, that is the heart of Jesus right there. Men curse us, but we return a blessing. They make our lives miserable, but we take it patiently. They ruin our reputations, but we go on trying to win them for God. You know, there was a story about a missionary who was in Africa and the, uh, the British troops were trying to take this village where they had a lot of, they even had cannibals in, in this village and a lot of warriors and they could never win the battle with this tribe of, uh, of uh, tribal people. And so uh, they one day were just staying in their fort and they saw a missionary and his family with a few mules go up that mountain. And then months later they came down and they were still alive and they said, how did you stay alive? He goes, well, y'all go with a message of war. We go with a message of peace. It's, a, it's amazing that when we, we go and we meet with people. This is so important about communication. You, it's amazing that I can get a phone call or you can hear somebody, they're just so mad. I mean, they're mad as a hornet. But if you meet with them and you just, hey, my brother, hey, sis, you just have a, you know, you crucify that flesh. 
And Lord, give me a spirit of peace to better talk to this person. You know, how, how much of a testimony would it be for the Christians who do divorce to have a spirit of peace at the table instead of it blowing up? Think, yeah, let them, it, let them have it. My eyes is upon the Lord. I'm not going to fight you. You're not going to provoke me to get angry and hate you. You want a divorce? I'll love you and I'll bless you and I'm not going to speak bad about you even after. I'll bless you in the name of Jesus. Now, how many know that's hard to do? That's hard to do. But it says that it is possible. Amen? Peacemakers destroy the power of war. Because you know why? Peace is the strongest weapon that there is. It says here to be called sons of God. How awesome to be called the sons of God. If God is our Father, Christ is our Savior, and the Holy Spirit is our indweller, then our lives as sons of God can be characterized by peace. Now, I want to just share a few things. There's, there's five words for child in the Bible. One, of course, is napites, which is the word for baby. We won't go there because that's just a baby who can't take care of himself. He has to be taken care of. But the word child is also paidon, P-A-I-D-O-N. And that's the, a toddler, about 2 to 12 years old. And, and, and this is what the Lord is saying uh, with all these different words we're going to see here just for a few seconds. Was that a python, a toddler, is a child who they can't take on too many responsibilities. How many is going to let your five, eight-year-old drive your car? They may think they can and they may pretend they can, but then you're not going to let them get in your car or your vehicle drive it because they're not able to. Why? They're not matured enough. And that's one of the words he's saying here. Blessed are the peacemakers because they're not going to be called children. They're going to be called sons. Sons, not children. Now I'm going to show you the difference. The next word for child is take teakon, T-E-A-K-O-N. And that's a teenager. How many know a teenager wants to be treated as an adult, but they still cannot have the responsibility of an adult? They think they've got the answers to everything. And how many of you know teenagers can really be, uh, you know, be a child because they're getting more and more independent? They're getting an independent spirit. But how many of you know they still have some maturity and some growing to be, so you don't let them uh, go on? Then the next word is huios, which is H-U-I-O-S. And it means to, to announce, and this is the word when, when God said to Jesus when he was being baptized, this is my son that I'm pleased with. And that's the word that they would call their sons at 30 years of age. And Jesus was 30 years old when he got baptized. They would say, this is my son. I am publicly, publicly making it known that I have full peace and I have full confidence that my son will uphold the integrity of our family name. I'm giving him the keys. I'm making it known that to receive my son is to receive me, receive me, the owner of the business. That's how we got saved. To receive my son is to receive me, the God of all glory. And usually and when they would turn 30 years old, a father would stand up and have a public celebration. And he would say, this is my son. This is my wheels. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He has proven himself to be faithful. He's proven to be a man of character and a man of integrity. And I can entrust him with all the future. And I know the future is great in his hands because he's going to uphold everything. And so we see here that he's saying there's a big difference between being a child of God and a son of God. But then there's the sixth word, talon, which is the word that means a father who has been a faithful son and is now a father. And he is able to connect the generations and what he has is able to impart into others. And that's those words, the difference between a son and a child. A child is still dependent on how it's taken care of and how it's treated. 
where a son or a father is not. A son or a father is going to give what it has, not depending on how it's treated, but what's on its side of it is going to treat others. And that's why the Bible talks about do unto others as you would have them do unto you. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 talks about praying for those in positions in churches, nations, teachers. How, how many of you, you know, uh, and I'm telling you it works. How many of you kids ever had trouble with uh, teachers? And it sounded like it just wasn't fair. How many you know many times teachers, God bless them. How many, know, some, how many know sometimes teachers are very stretched? I mean, dealing with all these kids. Well, how many of you know instead of getting on the phone and blasting them, how many know it's a lot better to pray over it, decree favor and peace with them before you call them and talk to them? How many of you have ever seen Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life? That's one of our favorite movies. Uh, we watch it, every, like try to watch it every Christmas. And how many know when he got, gets home and his little girl's been home sick and the, the teacher, you know, said something that made him very mad and he got on the phone and he just blasted the teacher and just got angry and got mad and then it ended up bringing other things. How many of you, you don't fix things by getting off on people. You fix things. Blessed are the sons. They shall, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Children will make a mess of things, for sons will keep the peace. And that's what God is talking about there. Ephesians 4.3 says, Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent. Say that with me. Be diligent. Be diligent. Be, diligent. be faithful. Make it a high priority to, to, to keep peace with one another. It's to work at it. Ephesians 4.11 says to walk worthy of our calling. How many of you know peace is part of our calling? It's to practice by walking it out. It's peace within us. It's how we speak, how we live, how we look, and how love lives through us. Uh, Ephesians 6.15 talks about the shoes of peace. Now, I want to show you something in uh, Luke chapter 10. And I want to go over just a little something with you about the power of peace. And I want to, I've preached this years ago when I first got here. Uh, back in 2000, I think I preached this. But uh, I want to just go over a little something with you that, that's amazing. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus calls His disciples together. And, and starting in verse 5, Luke 10, 5, it says, Into whatsoever house you enter, into whatever house you enter, whosoever house you enter, what does it say to say? Say what? Say what? In, in anybody's house, you say peace. He doesn't say, go preaching me. He says, the first thing you do is say peace to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. Peace is an anointing. Peace is a manifestation of God. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give for their labor is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick. Now he says, heal the sick that are therein. Say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your way out into the streets of the same way, and the very dust of your city which cleaveth to us do we wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the day of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city. Now, that, this is what I want to show you. Go back and read the book of Luke. And you will see before verse 10, 
you will see that Jesus fought with the Pharisees and Sadducees constantly. You will read the temptation of Christ. You will read how they took him to a cliff and they wanted to throw him over the cliff. You'll read how they wanted to stone him. In all the first chapters, you'll see where there was constant warfare between Christ and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people. Constant warfare. But once Jesus gathered his disciples and he says, I want you to go into the cities and I want you to go into the homes and I want you to decree peace. I want you to walk in there and say shalom to this house. Shalom to this house. And it's amazing. Go and read from chapters 10 and on. You will see that when they would confront Jesus, he would answer them back in the word of knowledge. And they, it says he would silence the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't try to kill him till the crucifixion after that. You will see that everything changed after Luke chapter 10. Why? Because he sent his disciples out with the weapons of peace. That's why, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, some people, they get a kick out of it. But listen, I don't argue and I don't fuss and I don't fight with Mormons when they come knocking on my door. I don't fuss arguing and fight with Jehovah Witnesses. When I go to the gym and some guy wants to bring up about Jehovah Witnesses and stuff like that, I'm not going to fight with them because the Bible says, if the Son of Peace dwells there, then you give your blessing and you give your peace. In other words, there will be a freedom to testify and there will be a freedom. There won't be all those walls to fight with. So many times we're just, you know, we just charge the walls and we wonder, well, you know, we, we got the Muslim matter at us. Then before we came, or the Jehovah Witness, you know, they're wiping their feet at our door and all that. The Bible talks about the warfare of peace. And you claim that peace upon you. When you go to work and you've been praying, the Lord's been dealing with you to witness to somebody. You know they're going through a hard time, or maybe they've been told that they have an illness, or they're going through a divorce, or something's going on with their kids. You ask the Lord to give you the anointing of peace, to go in there and just speak peace. Before we go to villages and and start churches, we just didn't go in there and say, we want to tell you, you're going to hell if you don't repent. We didn't go in villages telling people they're going to hell. We went in villages speaking peace and the love of Jesus Christ. Now, after they got saved and they kept wanting to live like the devil, then we told them they'd go to hell. They don't change their ways. But you just went off. You get more flies with honey, right? Is that peace. And it's a weapon. It's a weapon. Peace will cause the most angriest person just to start settling down. Because you see, most peace breakers are already ready for a fight. And they got their walls and their defenses up. And when you go and, and, and you call and say, hey, listen, can I come over and talk to you? Boy, they're ready. And I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to tell them that, and I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to tell them that. And they're armed for bear. They're ready to shoot. But when you walk in there and you go, hey, how you doing? You, you're looking good today. And you're smiling and you're acting all peaceful. They don't know how to take that. And they sit there stunned. And the Holy Spirit just opens the door to better start speaking to them. Huh? Just start speaking to them in a different way. Blessed are the meek peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. They're the mature ones. They're the ones who's, who's acting and representing the king of kings, the king of righteousness. Amen. So go study that in Luke. After the resurrection, Jesus says, my peace I give you. Colossians 1.20, Jesus went out preaching peace through the blood of his, The disciples went around preaching peace through the blood of his cross. Peace comes from being right with God. It makes... Our lives more valuable. Teaching impacts peace. Preaching impacts peace. Reaching out to people. We are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. 
God. Think about that. We are ambassadors of God as though God is making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is making an appeal. God is saying, please, please change. Please receive me. And He's speaking through us to people. And you know, uh, so many times in our life, things we go through makes us hard. Things we go through makes things difficult. But you know, I remember reading about, how many of you remember, saw the end of the spear? One of the fathers of one of the missionaries who died, not the main actor, but an, one of the five that died, his father wrote in his diary at the funeral of his son, he says, I'm never going to give up for the day that I will be able to wrap my arms around the murder of my son and tell him I forgive you and I pray for your salvation. I'll never wait. I'll, I'll, I can't wait for the day that I've got to wrap my arms around my son's murder and tell him I love you and I forgive you. Have you ever seen the end of the spear? You see where the son oh, had a chance to kill him. He forgave him. And then there's pictures, and I've got tons of pictures where they baptized the murderers of, of their dad and they forgave him. How many of you know it's the peace that passes understanding? And, and that's what it takes for peace in this world. Listen, if I have peace with my family, if I have peace with my friends, if we have peace in our church, the enemy has no foothold. The enemy has no foothold. If I, I don't, if I don't have a thing about the color or the race or the financial bearing or what they did or who they were or where they come from, if you, we just accept one another by, by the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ and we strive to keep the bond of peace between us, there will be no stronghold of the devil. As a pastor in the ministry since 81, I've seen a lot of things. And it's amazing what can... Instead of God reconciling through us, it's amazing how much we push God away by our fights and our fusses and our demands and our selfishness. And God is wanting peace to rule in our hearts and our lives and peace that passes understanding. That means to me, I can forgive anybody and everybody no matter, no matter what they've done. I can let it go no matter what it my wife and them had to write a paper about to uh, write an article in the paper uh, about this man who killed, murdered their brother, and they said uh, we forgive him and publicly in the paper we forgive him and we pray for his salvation. You know, there's movies where you know in the old days they used to let all the family come in to watch somebody get electrocuted in the electric chair, and the family all wanted to be in there because the thrill to see that man in that torment as they would put the electric chair on and that man would just go into all kind of frenzies as electricity was going through his body and, and, and they were just saying he's getting what he deserved. Let that rat die and, and you just see the different attitudes of the people as they're enjoying seeing that person suffer or hanging or whatever it may be. But that never brought peace to the area because if you electrocuted one, you got to electrocute another one. And the people keep harboring that hate and that anger in their heart. There's a lot, a lot of people in this world that are killing other people, that are hurting other people. There are people in this world that are not maturing in things of Christ because they don't want to let go of somebody who hurt them. But there is a peace that passes all understanding. It's hard for a mother to carry a baby nine months after being raped and she's carrying the baby of her racist. 
But I tell you what, there is such a great reward for that type of person who will allow that baby to be born and have a life than to take its life out of anger. Philippians 4, 7 says, listen to this. This is something. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And you know what it says after that? That the Lord is near. Wow. We can preach on the rapture. And we can preach about Jesus is coming soon. We can preach about the end times. And isn't it something that it says right here? And I, I tell you, you ask in Philippians 4, 7. Your gentle spirit being known to all men will let all men know Jesus is coming soon. That's a message we all can preach. Amen? That's a message we all can preach. By living at peace, Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we desire. Well, let me ask you. Somebody's got something they'd like to share? This is discipleship, right? Somebody saw something during this message, something you'd like to share? Brother Chris. Here, brother, come so we can have it on tape. Oh, peace. Well, I have a guy at work. He's been trying to steal my job. And he has lied. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I told him, I said, oh, he found what the boss said. I don't believe it. So they know me. I turned around and I looked at him. I said, you know, in my past, I probably really, really, really got mad at you. I said, but I forgive you and I love you. He just looked at me with his head down. He said, I can't believe that. He said, do you honestly forgive me for trying to take your job? I said, yeah. I got faith in him. I just let it go. So, you know, that's right. It's a blessing to care about somebody no matter what. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Yeah. Amen, Chris. That's great. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Brother Chris, he's a testimony. Somebody else. Yes, Sister Ethel. When you were talking about being a peacemaker, I was thinking that the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we love Jesus more than ourselves, which makes us love our brother more than ourselves. Because if someone attacks us and we're more concerned with me, 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 then we're going to rise up. But if we love Jesus and he's first in our life, then we're going to love people because he's all about people. And if we love Jesus, that's a good test to see how much we love him is what kind of a peacemaker we are. That's good. That's good. Amen. Amen. Yes, sis. My thing is, um, is I've lost everything in the natural because of a divorce. And some of the people here knew the situation. But my favorite thing is the Bible says that with the same measuring cup of mercy that we measure out onto other people is the same measuring cup he's going to use back on us, you know. So we have to be rich in mercy. If, if he wants, if we want his rich in mercy towards us, we have to be rich in mercy towards other people. And in the scripture that says that he has broken down that middle wall of partition between us, you know. Yes. Amen. That is, that is perfect. That was a study two weeks ago. That's for the merciful. They should obtain mercy. And I need mercy. Anybody else? Sydney. <laughs> you were talking about my uh, having to forgive the guy that killed my brother. And when you desire to forgive, it's a choice. You have to put that in your heart. And the Lord will give you a vision of peace. 
And there's no guarantee that that's going to come to pass, but it's what I would like to see happen. And in my mind, I was thinking of, you know, my brother is in heaven, and I was thinking of when this guy, I pray that he gets saved uh, and goes to heaven. I could just see it play out, and I could see him just running through heaven trying to find Jason and going up to him with urgency and saying, hey, man, I just want to tell you how sorry I am for what I did to you. And I could just see my brother saying, oh, man, don't worry about it. I'm just glad you made it here. <laughs> and so if you if you put that in your heart, that helps you to forgive somebody because you don't wish anybody to go to hell no matter what they've done. No. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like something that you said. It says peace comes from being right with God. And if you want something to kind of be a a guideline, a judge, or or a a standard, that's something that that really stuck into me. It says peace comes from being right with God. And that's that's just something to kind of check ourselves with. You know what I'm saying? It's just something to check ourselves with. And that's stuck in my mind. That's good. That's good. Amen. That's real good. Amen. Somebody else? Someone else? Raise your hand. I want to share with you, my son was murdered by three teenagers back in 1998. And they were not old enough to be have a driver's license. One was 14, one was 15, one was 16. And the Montana driver's license was 18. And that, I just grieved over that and grieved over that to think that my children, my daughter-in-law and my son, my youngest son, were murdered at the hands of three teenagers and left three kids under the age of 10. And I tell you what, until I came to grips with the forgiveness of what they did, that's when truly forgiveness came and I was able to pray for their salvation. And so the key is forgiveness. When you have forgiveness, you have peace with your fellow man. You have peace in your heart. And it was only then when I came to terms and came to grip and say, Lord, I forgive those girls. I forgive those parents for not knowing where their children were. Three families didn't know where three girls were at 1 o'clock in the morning. And I forgive them, Lord. I pray for salvation so that they, this won't ruin their life. And I was able to forgive. My other family has not learned to forgive, and they live in turmoil. But I learned to live in peace because of the peace of God which passes all understanding, which keeps my heart in Christ Jesus. So it is forgiveness, peace. Peace I give you. My peace I give unto you. Now how's the world give it? I give unto you. Yes. That's right. Hallelujah. That's good. That's good. Hallelujah. I know that's not always easy. I, I remember what uh, we were working with some missionaries in, in 84, and we were praying for my mom to be healed of cancer. He came over to the house. I said, Brother Tim, I want you to be praying with us. 
that um, my mom's healed. She goes, Russell, she dies, she dies. I say, if I'm believing God, she's going to heal. Everybody dies. She, if she dies, she dies. So what is it? And you know, how many know sometimes what people tell you can hurt? And to learn to forgive them. Then when my dad was passing away, uh, someone told me, he's just getting what he deserved. And how many know that when, and, and, and a number of things like that. And so I went on my knees and I started praying for that person who said that. And I started thinking, you know, that person's in worse shape than my dad because my dad, you know, he's dying in the natural and he's on his way to glory, but this guy's already dead on the inside. And it's worse to be dying on the inside and live that way than dying in the natural and have peace with God. And people will say, listen, all of us are old enough to know, people will say the cruelest things. People will say the cruelest things. And they did when Jesus was on the cross. Forgive them. That's what we've got to do. Forgive them. We can't hold it against when people say the cruelest things because they will. But that don't mean that we have to keep harboring it and saying, well, you know, I hope something happens on them or that happens on, on them. We've got to forgive them and let it go or it will just eat on us, make us sick, age us before our time. You name it. We've got to let it go. Amen. That, that, that was good what everybody shared. Anybody else has something that they wanted to share? That was good what everybody shared. Hallelujah. Brother Jody. Uh, back in January, I lost my first grandbaby, little Jackson. And uh, that was tough. That was real hard. I only got to uh, spend a few weeks with a little fella. And, uh, you know, and I didn't know how the kids were going to make it because I knew how tore up I was. And a friend of mine, you know, when he heard about it, he come to me and he told me, he said, no, brother, it's like this. You know, he's going to be a baby forever. You're going to have all eternity to play with that baby. Because one day you'll see him in heaven. And that's the thing that gave me the most peace about that. You know, my heart still breaks every time I think about him. But I know that he's up there and I'll see him and I'll get to bounce him on my knee and play with him and love him and, you know, to be forever. So he'll be a baby when I get there. So God can give you peace no matter what. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Jody.